It's a fan pregame Thursday night, a snowy one. Although Blue Jays reporting in Dunedin, pitchers and catchers, spring That's training. Contrast. It's very different here in the yeah. city. Uh, couldn't feel uh, more opposite. Lots of sights and sounds across sportsnet.sportsnet.ca and on social. And we're going to get into it with Shai Davidi in a few minutes. And fresh off a hat trick performance and a win over PWHL Boston, one of the hottest goal scorers. In all of hockey, Natalie Spooner mm-hmm. will hop on. Uh, we'll chat about the battle on Bay Street tomorrow night. Another reverse sweep in the rivalry series for Canada and PWHL Toronto's sudden in-season turnaround. Looking forward to that. Uh, NHL doubleheader on Sportsnet tonight as well. Seattle and Boston at 7, followed by Pittsburgh and Chicago at 8.30. Now that one has become increasingly interesting as Bedard will make his return after almost six weeks with a broken jaw. Crosby, Bedard, you know going to be fun. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that later on, and we might have some prop bets for that game. And speaking of comebacks, Tiger Woods was on course in a PGA field today, uh, turned in a 1-over-72 at Riviera. So hmm. he's, you know, he's still sticking around, uh, but we'll see uh, if he can do enough tomorrow to make a cut. I'm wearing my sun day red. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't have the skeleton sun of the tiger on, on the day. back. Red. What do you think about that Sunday red? I think it's probably still going to sell millions and millions. Why three words? I must like it, be something copyright. Feels like two words could have uh, Yeah, maybe sufficed. there was something there. Probably. But it is, I feel like I have to have a massive pause in between sun and day. Mm-hmm. Just to be very clear which I'm talking about. In order about. to see red versions of Sunday red again, he's going to have to uh, shoot a little bit better tomorrow than he did today. All right. Uh, as we wait for Shai Davidi to join us in a couple minutes, uh, we said it, pitchers and catchers reporting today. Exciting all over social media because Blue Jays baseball is back. And, you know, the end of the season last year, let's just move on because there's a whole new stories and, and uh, things to look forward to. But I guess some of the stories, the main talking points that we're going to discuss over the next couple of weeks as spring training begins uh, do have to do with the way that this season ended last year. Some players hopefully on what could be massive comeback tours. Uh, and I think for me, it starts with Alec Manoa. I saw lots of great videos of him today. Looks like he's dropped around 30 pounds. He's got a beard. He's got a mullet. Like mm-hmm. everyone's talking about how great he looks, how great he feels, how this offseason was the most important for him, how he's turned himself around physically and mo- emotionally and, and mentally in terms of what he's going to bring to the mound this year. You know, John Schneider saying that he's looking pretty nails. He knows he's competing for a spot. A lot is going to go into the discussion of Alec Manoa over the next couple of weeks, how he's looking, how he's pitching, and that already started today. Yeah, I mean, everything we saw today, I guess, would be considered encouraging, right? Because, you know, we can get fired up about the beard and the mullet, but, you know, losing maybe 30 pounds, I think something that would be considered a step in the right direction, at least in terms of like, hey, did you put in the off-season work? What was your vibe like in the off-season? What were your intentions, mm-hmm. ambitions? How did you approach the off-season? Well, uh, uh, by weight loss alone, we can say, hey, he put in work yeah. over the off-season. Uh, but I think, like, in terms of questions that we had heading to this, into this Blue Jays season and spring training, I mean, I think a big one for me has already been answered. Maybe the biggest already answered because – I frankly didn't know how Alec Manoa was going to approach the 2024 season. I didn't know if bridges would have been burned mm. after the he said, she said of last season and the issue around, you know, him not wanting to go or maybe not wanting to go to AAA Buffalo and him not really accepting what was a, a diagnosis or a misdiagnosis or no diagnosis at all that was framed as a diagnosis. Either way, <laughs> big smiles on the big Puma's face today <laughs> makes me feel like, hey, kind of hit the reset button a Mm -hmm. little bit. And 
the divorce that these two sides were headed towards, maybe we should have pumped the brakes on that. And what was happening on social media, at least in terms of his account, wasn't actually a reflection of what he was doing. Mm. It seems like Alec Manoa re-sort of dedicated himself to his craft. Again, we saw pitches today. We don't know where they were located. We don't know if someone could take them yard. We don't know what he actually has in terms of stuff. But in terms of coming back to the ballpark, coming back to baseball, coming back with a smile on his face, well, we can check those off. And for right now, you know, it's up to Alec Manoa to prove that he can be a major league pitcher, prove that he can be what he once was. But steps in that direction, I think we can say pretty safely, have been taken, which is a good sign for the Blue Jays on the first day of spring training. Yeah, and steps in the right direction to just a clean slate in terms of the energy around Alec Manoa as well. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, but from our perspective through social media and hopefully with Shy in a couple of minutes here, is there was just a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. There was the not reporting to Buffalo or whatever that was. Um, the injections in the arm, then he went pretty low profile. He never really discussed what went on. And we went into the offseason with this kind of cloud over what Alec Manoa's future was. Was the relationship fractured? Would he be a Blue Jay ever again? Is he the trade chip that Blue Jays are going to use to improve this ball club? we even saw that recently in the last couple weeks, though, that that people were still knocking on Alec Manoa's door. All we know now is that he looks like he put the work in, and that's step one, right? If you show up today and you look great, then that is is a step in the right direction, of course. There's still a lot of baseball to be played in the spring training. hasn't even begun, Uh, but pitchers and catchers did report today. And down there for us is Shai Davidi, of course, of Sportsnet. Shai, uh, welcome to, like, the first day of school again. How's the energy in Dunedin? Uh, it's all right. It's definitely not uh, gray and bleak Toronto, so that's uh, <laughs> a nice change. And I think uh, anyone coming from a cold uh, cold weather spot is uh, is reinvigorated. And, yeah, it does have a first day of school kind of feel to it where, you know, everyone's getting back, a lot of hellos, a lot of, hey, how's it been? <laughs> and, um, how is your summer? How is your winter? And, and, and here we go. Okay, so we were just opining on, you know, screenshots and Twitter videos and what we've seen from Alec Manoa. Big smiles, big beard, uh, big flow coming out of the back of his baseball hat. But we only know the surface level stuff. So I guess it's kind of surface level right now in Dunedin. But the vibe around Alec Manoa, one of the questions heading into this Blue Jays season uh, for sure. So give us your uh, observations and impressions from Alec Manoa returning after a tough season and an off season that seemed like it was full of, well, work. Well, I'm going to avoid the best shape of his life and throwing free and easy and all the typical <laughs> kind of spring cliches. Uh, I will say, just uh, talking to a couple of people, uh, one player uh, t- today just said to me, he goes, you see, Alec, he looks amazing. Mm. Uh, and I-, I think that, yeah, he's definitely put in the work. Like, that was, uh, he went into the offseason with a plan. Uh, it clearly looks like he's executed that plan. And so, you know, from a conditioning standpoint, from a physical state standpoint, you know, he certainly looks like uh, like someone who's ready to jump back to the form that he had before. Of course, you know, we'll see. You know, he threw a side today. Like, I don't know the sides mean very much. I think right now the things that the Blue Jays are really focusing on is what does his delivery look like and is he repeating it? Mm-hmm. And right now it seems like he's repeating it. Uh, You'll hear a lot of talk throughout the spring about things like downward playing on the mound, the way he's coming down and attacking it. Uh, Is he able to finish with his arm? Is is his arm slot consistent? Those will be the signs. And if those things lock in, 
then the fastball should play. He should have the right slider shape. Uh, and at that point, he starts becoming Alec Manoa again. So, I, I, you know, like early returns, it's great. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be weeks before we have any meaningful intel when we start seeing what it looks like in the mound in games. And, you know, typically you don't want to put a ton of stock into spring training results. But I do think it's going to be really interesting to see the types of swings that uh, hitters are, are getting off him, and that'll be a, a real leading indicator of where he's at. What do the Blue Jays expect from Alec Manoa? I, I saw the quote that he, he knows he's competing for a spot. Where in the rotation is that spot? Is he supposed to come out and be opening day starter again? Are we easing him into the fifth spot? And um, what do you think that John Schneider and the pitching staff expect from Alec Manoa and the timeline it would take to get to that Alec Manoa? Well, I mean, you know, if Kevin Gosman isn't the opening day starter, I think that a lot of people have some explaining to <laughs> <Right>. do, uh, <laughs> you know, presuming he's healthy. But uh, for Alec Manoa right now, like, he's the Blue Jays have positioned him to be the, I guess, the fifth starter, or like to win the fifth starter spot, mm. right? Like the other four spots are, are spoken for, and then how they decide to line them up. You know, based on matchups, maybe they maybe there's some tinkering there. But there's one spot in the rotation that isn't locked in, and Alec Manoa is very clearly the front runner. The, what the Blue Jays did over the course of this winter underlined that they are really hoping that he is going to take the job. It's sort of the way that Yusei Kikuchi, in theory, was competing for a spot in the rotation last spring, but everything was really set up for Yusei Kikuchi to take that spot and run with it. So uh, I really see some parallels there. Now, the Blue Jays do have more options this year, and I think that gives them some flexibility if they do need it. You know, you could turn to Bowden Francis. You could turn to potentially Mitch White, uh, even just in sort of short spurts or for a limited period of time. Yariel Rodriguez, who they signed, I don't know that he's going to be ready to start with the team or, uh, you know, he does have an option in his contract, which is unusual for an international player uh, who signs the, the way that he did. So the Blue Jays clearly built that in knowing that because he took the year off last year that he needed, uh, he might need a bit more runway. Uh, so they do have some options, but everything about the way the Blue Jays operated this off season makes it pretty clear that they were counting on Alec Manoa to be in that rotation again. Our Shai DVD on the phone uh, with us from Dunedin. Okay, so we uh, we heard from John Schneider again today, or you heard uh, his entire uh, scrum today. Uh, you know, it's the first day of school for everybody, right? It's the first day of school for John Schneider after a off-season of reflection. So in terms of messaging and his message and how he's approaching this year, uh, what did you glean from his uh, first opportunity in front of the media today? Yeah, really interesting because... Look, the, there was a lot of navel-gazing up and down the organization this year, right? And, like, there was a lot of work put in from, you know, President Mark Shapiro, GM Ross Atkins on downwards. Uh, a lot of meetings, a lot of trying to figure out where did things go awry last year? Because that team, like, I, I you know, again, conversations with people, you just really get a sense that there's a lot of frustration that they left. There's a feeling that they didn't max out, right? Like, look, if you, if you play your best and you get beat, you don't like it, but 
you're like, okay, well, I did everything I can. And I don't know if the Blue Jays feel like they were at their best in that twin series, right? And at different points of the season, you had Kevin Gosman saying, look, we could, we could have been 10 wins. We, we, could, we should have probably been 10 wins better. Like, 10 wins is a lot. Hmm. And, you know, John Schneider was talking a lot about how, you know, he reflected on himself. And, you know, there was talk about communication and ways to be more clear in that. Uh, you know, talking to GM Ross Atkins a bit later, you know, of the, the changes they made to their coaching staff structure, uh, it is going to operate differently. Now, is that going to produce better results? Uh, time will tell on that. But they are at least trying to change some of the things that didn't work for them. And if they end up at a better hole, that'll be a part of it, right? Because, again, some of the some of the places where games got lost last year, and it feels like we've been talking about this a lot in recent years, about uh, how you're trying to – how they keep trying to find ways to stop leaving games on the table. Uh, you know, that, that's really where – the success and failure uh, of this season it, it is going to lie because you know they they sort of tried to maintain the roster that they had from last year, uh, and it's just better performance that's going to drive this team to a to a, a better result this year. If that's what what ends up happening. At the beginning of uh, these seasons, you kind of get locked into whatever the buzzword will be, whatever the word that um, the team is using to motivate them, to drive them. And I heard the word urgency a lot today, and I don't know if that's what we're locking in on, but I did hear the word urgency a lot uh, from the top of the Toronto Blue Jays, and maybe that trickles through. Do you sense that that's the way that they're approaching this season, the internal growth that's needed, and that they're really banking on a lot of bounce-back candidates and knowing that the clock is ticking in terms of maybe a window? Is that where urgency comes into play when you hear that word? Well, you know, it's weird, right? Because baseball is a tough sport to be urgent Mm -hmm. in because it's such a skill game, and, you know, when you effort up, uh, a lot of times that ends up working to your detriment. So I think that, yes, there is, there's an understanding that this window, it's not as long as, as it felt beforehand, right? The, the mm-hmm. amount of opportunities uh, are starting to slip away because you're facing a significant cliff in after the 2025 season with not just Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but it's Jordan Romano, uh, it's Kevin Vigio. It's a number of players where, you know, it's not easily replaced. So uh, I think there's a recognition of that. There's a recognition that there needs to be better. But, uh, you know, how that translates, I think, will depend on, you know, can Justin Turner... Uh, still be a, a strong offensive performer? Can Isaiah Kiner-Falefa be able to contribute defensively and, and with his bat a little bit? Are the are they all, all the pieces going to be able to come together? So uh, I think all those things uh, play into it. And, yeah, there there is, sure, there is urgency, but uh, whether or not that means that we're going to see them playing with their hair on fire. You know, I don't think that's the case, and I don't think that would be good for them either. Yeah, urgency is something that's difficult to stick handle, but I think like a singular pressure point is also uh, tricky. And you mentioned Justin Turner, and there's positive regression candidates on this team like Dalton Varsho who can lend a little bit more. 
But it feels like, and you can tell me if this is too simplistic, that reaching a high end in terms of the performance range for this team depends exclusively on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. having a, a, a far better season and something that resembles his seasons that were MVP caliber? Is it is it too simple to say that this team will, will go if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. lets them go? So I don't want to put it all on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but look, if, if he's something closer to the 2021 version of himself, uh, then we are having a very different conversation than we are right now. There's no doubt about that. But as you mentioned, like it can't just be him, right? They need George Springer to be George Springer, and they need Dalton Varsho, they need Alejandro Kirk, and they need Bo- you know Bobichet. Uh, I know believes that he can be more than what he's been, but even if he, they need him to just be able to stay where he was. Uh, you know, if those things happen and, you know, Justin Turner's still there, you know, Dalton Varsho is closer to the 2022 version of himself. Uh, and a lot of projection models, you know, really foresee that and whether or not that comes true, we'll find out. But, you know, if, if you start, then they'll start looking like the offense that they were envisioned to be. And time and again, last year, I heard from different people, Hey, like, why did these guys not hit? Why? What? What's happening uh, that they they aren't hitting? And you know, the the Blue Jays spent a, an entire season, an entire winter, trying to figure that out. Uh, and you know, the key test will be in terms of whether or not they figured it out. We're chatting with Shad Davidi uh, in Dunedin as pitchers and catchers reported today. So there's still uh, you know quite a while to go until opening day, uh, March 28th. Lots of checkpoints on the way. Uh, where are you seeing the roster spot battles that we can? you know, hone in on here, see if uh, maybe new names or younger faces get an opportunity. Is there a spot to be up for grabs that we should be, you know, keeping an eye on here? Yeah, I, like, to, to me, you know, maybe like the back, the back end of the bench is like, mm-hmm. okay, so you figure like David Schneider or Ernie Clement are going to be on this team. Uh, is, there, is there a way to get Spencer Horowitz on the roster too? Uh, do you do something else there? Do they... Uh, find a you know a potential fourth outfielder or extra outfielder with a, who hits right-handed uh, on a minor league free agent deal. Is that something that the Blue Jays end up doing? I can I think that's where a lot of the the is going to be. Obviously, we talked about Alec Manoa in the fifth starter spot, mm-hmm. but uh, you know unless unless he falters, you know I, I don't think that that's really. Uh, a, a huge competition. And I guess the last spot in the bullpen, you know, Mitch White is out of options. Are they carrying him? Bowden Francis, you know, really played a, a very underappreciated role last year and was really good. Uh, does, does he find a way through? Uh, does, is Yarrell Rodriguez ready? And if he's ready, then, uh, you know, then maybe he's, a, he's in that final bullpen spot and it's sort of a swing role as someone who can give you some length if you need it. I just think that there's very little beyond that. Like we're really talking on the edges of the roster uh, as long as Alec Manoa finds his form. I think mm-hmm. the, the one thing that can really change and open up uh, a position of significance, you know, outside of injury, of course, is if Alec Manoa can't find his form and if that's the case, then all of a sudden now you're really looking at, okay, who is this fifth starter and then what does that do to the bullpen? And that one has a, a lot of spinoff effects. 
lots of questions to be answered, and you'll have them all at sportsnet.ca. Shai Davidi, of course, of Sportsnet. Uh, enjoy Dunedin, and we'll chat with you soon, Shai. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Be well. You as well. Uh, Shai Davidi. Pitchers and catchers today, and there's a lengthy run of things that have to happen until opening day, which I said was March 28th. Rays and Jays, four-game series. Uh, it's a long ways away. Lots to be learned. Lots of spots of shuffling, maybe not so much uh, battles to be won, uh, but we will see how things shake out. And, of course, Alec Manoa being the main story of today, looking good. See how it performs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious in terms of you asked about, you know, uh, competitions in camp and open spots. It's up for grabs between Bowden Francis and Alec Manoa. And it's Manoa's if Manoa can show that mm-hmm. he can be, you know, a serviceable pitcher at the major league level. So there isn't actually that much to... In terms of competition, I mean, Shia kind of laid it out there for mm-hmm. us that there is a couple. But in terms of, like, the centerpiece of this team, the rock of this team, it is the rotation, and the rotation is set. These guys are going to be ready to go uh, at least the first four, and then it's going to be either Francis or Manoa, likely Manoa, uh, to start. So there isn't much in terms of intrigue, uh, but certainly once it gets going, that's when we're really going to find out, especially about Alec Manoa. And again, it starts... Hot. I mean, mm-hmm. the first four, uh, three series on the road, home opener April 8th with the Mariners coming, Shohei Otani and the Dodgers coming to town before the first month of the season is up. Like, we're going to know a lot, and we're going to be right in the thick of it uh, in no time, uh, despite all the check marks or check points that you laid out. Full team will arrive February 20th, and uh, I think then the story will shift to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Obviously, without pitchers and catchers, that's our main focus right now. Vladdy in town uh, in a few days. We'll probably talk about how arbitration did or didn't affect him. Apparently, today we learned that he was in the room for this. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense, uh, but confirmed that he was. So, how does that affect? Does it not affect? Does it inspire confidence? Is it a, you know what? All these things you said that I wasn't good at, I will be good at this year. So, right now, it's the Alec Manoa discourse. Sure, soon it'll be the Vladimir Guerrero discourse, maybe Varsho, maybe how Bo Bichette has taken steps uh, to become a leader. We obviously heard from him a couple times this offseason, and he sounds like he wants to take that opportunity. And so lots to come, and we'll have it all at Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca, of course, Shy and uh, everyone else down there giving us great content. So it begins today, and hopefully a very lengthy Blue Jays season ahead. It's always lengthy, but we could go the extra mile. Yeah, maybe time. another week. Yeah. More than last year. Um, all right, let's take a look at some best bets tonight. As we said, there's a couple big games in the NHL, but I think we're both tuned into Pittsburgh and Chicago, 8.30 tonight on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. And so we mentioned it, Bedard is back after breaking his jaw less than six weeks ago. He's in the lineup tonight. I mean, it just the guy's going to be shot out of a cannon. He's going to want to prove it. He's going to want to show up his idol across the ice from him, who is Sidney Crosby. So I- I'm going to go with a Bedard goal. Get back in there. Want to get the top of that Calder trophy. Yeah. He's got work to do. He's got work to do. And, and we were talking about, you You talked to him specifically at, at NHL All-Star Weekend. The belief was that he was ready, you know, a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago, but they held him out. Uh, I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit. He can now, now that his jaw uh, gently, though, is, is on, I mean, chewing on screws. the mess. But it, it's like hope returning for the Blackhawks mm-hmm. in Connor Bedard and hope kind of diminishing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I'm just looking at this game on the money line, and I'm going with the Chicago Blackhawks and Bedard's uh, return on the money line. I mean, it was kind of an ugly night last night for the Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. Penguins. They lose to Florida. Kind of some ugly scenes with effort and fans and protests. And it's it's getting a little spicy in Pittsburgh, and we're going to get to that before the show is up. But I do believe second half of back-to-back against a team that's going to be a little bit reinvigorated by getting Bedard back uh, is an interesting spot. I'll take the plus money, plus 160 on the Chicago Blackhawks to beat 
the Penguins on Sportsnet tonight. Uh, we only have a minute here, but World Series odds are up. Of course, today's the start of uh, of everything coming. Blue Jays 20-1 to 1 to win the World Series. Dodgers the favorites, of course, yeah. with their super team, uh, plus 320. A little bit of a gap between those two teams and not but, that but, much of a gap in terms of the betting odds. But I'm sure, uh, it could be a wider gap. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm not rushing to the window to get the Jays 20-1 uh, to 1 right now. I don't think I'm going to rush the window to get to the Dodgers uh, plus 320. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a couple in there that we could revisit later, but mm-hmm. 20 to 1 for the Jays right now seems a little generous for the books. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit um, on the other side of the break with Natalie Spooner about their turnaround. Tr- PWHL Toronto was at the bottom of the standings and they're working their way up. Uh, so she'll join us after the break on the fan pregame. We'll wrap all that up next. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on the fan pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, I am excited about big game tomorrow night. I secured tickets to Scotiabank Arena, the battle Pretty on sure Bay a, Street. There's a four-far block. Yeah, we, we, uh, we might have got 20 tickets. It's like Siakam <laughs> last night, section 119, it's 27 instead of 43. It's not for me. It's for Laura Stacy. Okay. So but, seven. And, you know, anyone there, I can't, our next guest doesn't play on Laura Stacey's team, so I can't say it's just for Laura Stacey. She's there to cheer on the P Dub, you I know? Said 27. He's there to cheer on the P Dub. Uh, it's going to be an amazing, amazing night. Scotiabank Arena, of course, tomorrow. First time that Montreal is in town. Toronto now on the rise, having like a bounce back month. Uh, must see tomorrow at Scotia. If you can find tickets, best of luck uh, because it is going to be a record setting night. It's going to be uh, the most attended women's professional hockey game ever. Probably around, I mean, a seller would be almost 20,000. 198, uh, I believe, is like the official Scotiabank sellout that they've got. I thought they sold it out at 18.8. Well, they added 1,000 people somewhere, Justin. Oh, they did. I don't know. Okay. We'll get to the nitty-gritty of the numbers once it's officially released. But it should set a record. Uh, someone that's, like, setting her own records just <laughs> night in, night out, as Natalie Spooner, of course, of PWHL Toronto and the Canadian Olympic team. Uh, Spooner, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it is going great for you. You know, I think you've got the mom strength in you because we, we've talked about this with former with former athletes. Uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet has a kid and he comes out and he's got that dad strength, right? And in the last five games for you, including the rivalry series, eight goals, four assists, you've just, you, you've really come onto the scene and not that you needed to, but, you know, you, you went through something personal in your life. You had a baby and now it's like everything slowed you down. I think it's actually invigorated you. Are you feeling that? <laughs> maybe a nice little break to come back get the excitement going yeah i i wonder for you like you know you know personal personally obviously you're having a really successful stretch you're not one to 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 talk about your own success but what's been clicking for you for the last little stretch here because you're putting the puck in the net you're obviously helping your team not only in the rivalry series and in pwhl toronto uh turn things around and it's been awesome to watch yeah i mean i think like looking at our team like we have so much skill and i think Obviously not the start we wanted, but I thought we did put up some dominated performances and just couldn't score. Um, And I think, obviously, Mm -hmm. things started clicking. We started getting more chemistry. Um, Lines kind of were all over the map still, but kind of just started the puck, just kind of started going in the net for me, and it has ever (laughs) since. I mean, I feel like in the past, like I have 
been like more, I would say more of a goal scorer than like a playker playmaker by like, I always tended to score goals, even in the C-dub mm-hmm. college, whatever that game. So I think just to be able to bring that into my game here is, is helping my team a lot. And hopefully I can keep it going. Looking back now, Natalie, like how difficult was it to just start from scratch? Like, you know, you're coming back to a team, you come back to the rivalry series, you're coming back to a team with familiarity and culture and a pecking order and coaching stuff. Like everything is there for you already. But you guys started from scratch January 1, and I feel Mm -hmm. like that would be a little bit difficult, and it would get easier as you go, and it seems to be getting easier as you go. But how difficult was it now looking back to just, hey, this is our team now. This is us, and we got an objective that we all have to work towards. Yeah, I think, like, the craziest part was just how fast everything came together from, like, the draft to the training camp. Like, now we're starting. Um, And obviously there's people from, like, there's obviously people I've played with before, but there's also people I never, Mm -hmm. you know, touched the ice with before. So um, at the same time, it was amazing and super cool. And uh, it was also so new, like a a new league, um, new start time of the season. So all of it was just brand new so i think that was the exciting part and i think too like i think about back to like our home opener and obviously we lost but it was like the most amazing game ever and like just buzzing from the inside out so you couldn't ask for anything better yeah where have you seen like the biggest strides in terms of how different the pwhl is obviously you've played in different iterations of professional women's hockey you've been a part of building you know the gap in between the pwhpa and the pwhl so where have you seen the biggest difference is it is it coverage is it attendance is it just the excitement around the rink with new faces oh uh, it's hard question there's quite a few (laughs) things like first of all just like the way that it feels professional Mm -hmm. um from the, the amount of staff we have to the way it's run um and then the other part that i put obviously the, the fans and the attendance, but then the biggest one that like I love is I come home and like, if I'm not playing, I can watch women's mm-hmm. hockey on TV. Like I'm like finding myself watching all the other teams play. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. Like five nights a week, pretty much like you can watch women's hockey on TV, which has never happened in the past. Like it's normally just rivalry series or like the odd game. So I think that's the coolest part that there's so much women's hockey on TV now. And, people have access to it and people want to follow it. And I think it's helping with attendance, but just helping grow our fan base. Okay. You're watching games uh, when you can, you're on the couch, you're scouting. Um, <laughs> what, what stands out for you? Like, is there a team? Is there a player? Is someone you were a little unfamiliar with? Who's got your eye? Like when you look around the league, what has stood out to you? I think what's stood out the most is like how competitive it is and how close the teams are. Like there's been so many games that like go to overtime or like, there was like two games in one night and both of them went to overtime. And like one of them, New York came back from like three, nothing with like four minutes left. And I'm like, that was like the most exciting game I've watched in a long time, you know? And it was like one of from our league. So I was like, wow, like there's just, there's just so much competition in the league. And like, I mean, the standings have been changing constantly and I think it's going to keep changing. So I think that's what makes it so exciting. How about the physicality? Because I know it's been inside like the women's hockey players for a while and it's not like the the rules change completely that you can just hit people in center ice. But it every single battle on the boards, every time someone's racing for a puck uh, in front of the net, like there is, I don't know, 40 to 50% more physicality. It's so much fun to watch. I wonder for you when you're playing in it, like does it feel freeing? Does it feel exciting to be able to, you know, finish a check here and there and not get penalized for it? Well, sometimes you still do, but you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we've all kind of wanted in the game. 
um, and as players to be able to help build this league and to be able to kind of advocate for that. And now, you know, to, to have it happening, I think, you know, we're still obviously learning a bit of what is acceptable and what's <laughs> not. And I think refs are learning. Everyone is learning this year, but it is fun to be able to play that style of game that, you know, you can use the body, you can separate people from the puck. Like it's, it's a lot of fun out there. <laughs> PWHL scoring leader Natalie Spooner on the line uh, with us. I think one of the coolest things about the PWHL, Natalie, is that there's uh, that there are international breaks. Like uh, something I love about soccer is the international break format, where all of a sudden everyone leaves their club and starts playing for country, even if it's just for a week or two here and there. And it's especially interesting when it comes to women's hockey because, of course, the Canadian-U.S. rivalry is something that's really elevated women's hockey over it's it's been obviously the marquee attraction for so many years but it's something that's really really driven home how great the sport can be i wonder though how the pwhl and all of you guys playing in one league will affect the rivalry like what was it like going from hey your teammates with so on and so forth and then two days later you're involved in a rivalry series game against them like how how is that sort of because you transitioned just recently to something very very familiar and it's becoming more familiar here with the pwhl but it might be a little Mm -hmm. bit different now that you have these different structures in place yeah i mean the whole rivalry series like the point of it was because we weren't getting enough games in our schedule where now we have a professional league um i guess you could say it's not really needed but at the same time i think it's amazing for us to be able to play Canada US games still leading up to that world championships and have that competition in season. Um, so, I mean, I loved it. I love, I mean, it was my first time back with Canada, the rivalry mm-hmm. series this time. So I had a blast, but I think it is nice to, you know, be able to get back and reconnect with your team Canada teammates and um, just get that familiar familiarity back leading up to worlds um, too. And then, I mean, worlds will be a crazy break a little bit longer in the middle of the season too. So, It'll just be something we kind of have to adjust to, but I know like our teammates back home, like we're working so hard last week and like, like just to see the work that they were putting in while we were gone, I think was amazing. Um, and then just excitement really to get back together with our Toronto team. And that rivalry series, uh, not only did it happen last year, which was the reverse sweep, of course, Canada coming from behind and, and, and being able to beat the Americas. You guys did it again. Like, just to be able to do it back-to-back years is outstanding. Uh, you have the, the two big games in Saskatchewan, of course, where Canada gets uh, really close with it. And then you got the final game uh, to, to win it all, Game 7, in the United States, which kind of, you know, adds the excitement of rubbing it in uh, to the Americans' faces, of course, we know, and we can admit that. It's always fun. Uh, how did how did it get pulled off in two straight years? Is there a belief level that once you guys were within one or two or three, even at that point, that you were able to do it because you did it the year before? Yeah, I mean, I think there was definitely that, that like the, the confidence that, you know, the core group had that they had done it last year, that we were going to do it again this year. But also, I mean, once you've lost three, every single game is like do or die. Mm. Like you have to win every game or else like pretty much the series is over and like the games feel pointless, even though they're not, they're still, you're still improving and getting better, but really the competition of the games is gone. So I think just like that extra added pressure and stuff, it just makes you play up a level and makes you want to win those games so bad. Yeah, it was, 
It was awesome. Like I felt just playing games with the Americans now. I it mean, feels like yeah, yeah we'll spot you three wins. It, like the worst lead in hockey for the Americans must be three <laughs> three nothing in the yeah. rivalry series because they can't they can't hold on to it. Uh, but that always makes the rivalry a bit more fun. We're talking to Natalie Spooner, of course, of PWHL Toronto. Uh, tomorrow is going to be unbelievable. Uh, it's going to be a sellout at Scotiabank Arena. It's going to be the first time Montreal's in town. It's going to be the first time that we're going to have a packed Scotiabank Arena. I mean, what's your excitement level knowing that you're going to be skating out on the ice in front of a absolutely sold out Scotia Bank Arena where the Maple Leafs play where you know it, it's not something that mm-hmm. you guys are allotted often to play in an arena this size and you have deserved it as mad at me as I know as a season ticket holder is too small <laughs> it might be time to play in these rings more often yeah I mean I'm so excited I think this is like what you kind of dream of of professional hockey like I grew up watching the Leafs and you saw them you know playing at the big stadium and you just thought wow like it's I could do that and tomorrow's kind of that dream coming to life playing in front of all those fans and I know there's so many fans that weren't able to get tickets to Madame that were able to get tickets to this game so um, I think it's equal as exciting for the fans equal as exciting for the girls that we get to go out there and play in front of that many fans and and show them just the work that we've put in and um, you know just go out there and put on a show <laughs> do you like can anything really surprise you at this point? Like, again, it's going to be sold out Scotiabank Arena if, you know, the average sports fan six months ago uh, put that out there. Like, what's it going to be look, look like at Scotiabank Arena if PWHL Toronto hosts PWHL Montreal in the Battle in Bay Street? Like, I, I'm not sure what they would have said, but I'm not sure what you would have said, Natalie. But I feel like at this point, given the success we've had already, that nothing would be surprising to you. No, like, I think, like... It's crazy that this is like bigger and better than I could have ever imagined. And um, it seems to just keep getting elevated. And I mean, yeah, like I. That's like the expectation now, right? That it's going to keep elevating and growing and growing, which is a great spot to be in. Mm -hmm. Next, we need like a heritage classic Hmm. at a big, you know, stadium outside where we can set a new record again. We're just going to have to keep beating it. I was going to say, like, you guys, it's definitely bigger arenas, but you are still only a month and like 15 days into this season. And we're already starting to talk about expansion. We're talking about having more teams added to this. There's going to be two games, uh, you know, in two different markets already in the next month. There's going to be a Pittsburgh game, which you guys are partaking in. There's going to be a Detroit game. Mm -hmm. Like, what kind of conversations do you have around the locker room about where this can go? It's not even halfway through year one. And it's like we're shooting for the stars. For sure. I mean, it's professional and it's being run like a professional league, professional teams. And I think that those are the things that you do as a professional league to, you know, get your product out there, but also to get the fans, make sure everyone's engaged and and loving their experience. So, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't ask for anything better right now. And I'm sure there's still going to be way more surprises that come and I'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Like, how am I involved in this and how am I playing in this? You know, so I, yeah, I couldn't ask for anything better. How many tickets did you have to give out for tomorrow? <laughs> I have 24 people coming. Oh, baby. Like, Most expensive game. Yeah, it's going to be an sorry. expensive one for you. <laughs> the Spooner mm-hmm. the Spooner crew uh, will be will be cheering loud. I'm really excited. I, I, I think you guys are going to have an amazing time. You got a, a great turnaround here, of course. Didn't get off to the greatest start, but, you know, you're, you're right up there in the top there. It, it's such a close league, right? Already there's mm-hmm. only one or two points between each team. Like, does it feel like you guys have a rival yet? Or are you still trying to figure out, like, which team? I mean, you played New York a million times, so it might be them. But is there a, is there a team? that you circle on the calendar or is it, I mean every game is going to feel like that 
Oh, I mean, every game feels like the most important game at the moment because there's not that many <laughs> games in the season. So it's like every game counts now, especially with the start we had. But I think Ottawa is the only team we haven't beat yet. Mm. So that will be that will be a big one when we play them again. But I mean, Montreal, we went to shoot out. So mm-hmm. I, they're, yeah, we don't like playing against them either. So <laughs> I'm looking at the stats uh, right now, Natalie, leading scorer in the PWHL, 10 goals, one assist. Are you getting any flack around the dressing room for, you know, not mixing in as many assists as your scoring goals? They need goals? to bury. That's not her fault. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, it was funny, like, uh, at the robbery series, I started playing with Emma Malte, and, like, mm-hmm. she's probably considered more like a playmaker, and I was scoring goals, and so she's like, can you just teach me how to score? And I was like, okay, well, you teach me how to, like, make the plays then, and then she went out, like, the next period and scored, and I passed it to her, so we're like, hey, that works. <laughs> One thing I really loved about the Toronto team is you seem to have a lot of fun social media wise. I mean, you've got probably got the best crew of social uh, squad there. You nurse Malte, as you mentioned, uh, the fits coming into the games have been unbelievable. I've really loved the social presence. And I know that seems like a small thing, but for people that are on TikTok or, or Instagram or Twitter, like even just getting it in their feed and be like, Oh, these players are cool. Like they've got style. They've got podcasts. Like how much of a, of an increase in terms of like social coverage have you seen in terms of, people reaching out following you and and all the fits you guys roll in with like you've really taken that to heart and it's made a big difference in my perspective yeah I mean I think like people have been so supportive of our team which has been amazing and I think like the best thing that's kind of changed a bit in hockey is like it used to kind of always be like you all wear the same thing to the Mm -hmm. game but now you're really able to like show off your personality and I think that that's what's the best part about a team is like everyone is so different and everyone is so unique and I mean, you look at our team and everyone has different fits, but, like, it's so much fun to see, like, what are people showing up to the rink wearing tomorrow, you know? So um, we've had a lot of fun with it, and I think it, it just shows on social, too. Well, Natalie, really appreciate your time today. Best of luck tomorrow. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. Make sure you get a moment to cherish it when you're out there because, you know, you've been through a lot of iterations of what uh, you've finally been able to build. So congrats on everything, and best of luck with the rest of the season. We'll definitely chat soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Uh, that's Natalie Spooner, of course, PWHL Toronto, Olympic medalist, and leading scorer so far with 11 points, 10 goals, and in the last couple games, as I mentioned, she's just putting the puck in that last side of hat trick. So it was good timing to have her on. Uh, we requested this before the game yesterday. Maybe we manifested it, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. Quite the goal-scoring binge Natalie Spooner's mm. on. And, and again, it's coincided with... PWHL Toronto turning things around. It was looking a little glum the first mm. month of the season, first couple of weeks of the season uh, for Toronto, but they're right back into the thick of things. It seems like it's a pretty, you know, crushed can sort of standing mm. situation. Everyone's still, uh, you know, within striking distance, but Toronto up to third place in the PWHL standings, trailing only Montreal and Minnesota after a difficult start. Yeah, tomorrow's the battle of Ailish's uh, allegiances. As Montreal in town, of course. Uh, we had Laura Stacy on the station today. Hello, Jeff Merrick. Where was my, you know, heads up that I could, you know, get in there and, and listen? Uh, but we got a big one tomorrow, Montreal, Toronto. It'll be so much fun. Be down there at Scotiabank. Uh, we'll be able to see history, be a part of a record-breaking attendance. Uh, so lots of excitement to come. All right, uh, let's take a look just one more time at what's on tonight because we teed it up earlier in the show. Pittsburgh in Chicago. It's the return of Connor Bedard after almost six weeks out with a broken jaw. This one's at 8.30 on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. It's going to be 
awesome to see him skate back out there. Like, there's obviously, this is generational talent. Like, we've used that word before, but we were seeing it. We were really, like, getting the Connor Bedard experience. Unfortunately, with the hit, you know, breaks his jaw, he's sidelined. He gets that at that moment at All-Star to come out and kind of surprise the crowd with Sidney Crosby, which was really, really awesome. Those two... I mean, they don't go way back, but Connor Bedard, his respect and appreciation and admiration of, of Sidney Crosby goes way back. That was his, his guy, you know, and now yeah. he's against him tonight and it's going to be an awesome game. Yeah, it starts again for Bedard as it originally began with mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby in the matchup versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. It seems like those two have kind of been extric- inextricably linked uh, for whatever reason to start this year. But it is very cool because it is the future versus not the past, still the present in a lot mm-hmm. of ways with Sidney Crosby. But clearly generations are colliding here. Uh, in some ways, a- and plans are uh, maybe becoming uh, a little askew for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I-, I feel like they're starting to stir just a little bit uh, when fans of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, at this point is this season has not gone well despite Sidney Crosby playing really well. I mean, nothing else is working. Kyle Dubas bringing in Eric Carlson to this point has been a, a pretty big failure, and-, and they're starting to write about it a little more. Josh Yoey of The Athletic today writing, it's time for Kyle Dubas to unleash his plan, whatever Mm. that may be. He says it's time for Kyle Dubas to assert himself. It's his team. It's his franchise. He's no dummy. He surely sees the team for what it is. Dubas needs to come out of hibernation and show us how Uh he's going to make things better. If not in the future, then down the road, it's time. So that honeymoon period, Kyle Dubas, the first year of a seven-year deal to run the Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, things have not started off well at all. And I wonder if the Eric Carlson plan and kind of doubling down, bringing in Riley Smith, really trying to use up flexibility that Kyle Dubas didn't have in Toronto but did have immediately in Pittsburgh, I'm not sure he played the best hand here. And I worry. I still continue to worry about Sidney Crosby's late-stage career, Mm -hmm. how this is all going to look. But it feels like Kyle Dubas has boxed himself in already, and I don't know what this team is going to do at the deadline, and I don't know what stories are going to come out of this year. But I remain very, very worried about the final seasons of Sidney Crosby because this year has not gone well. And the bad news kept coming because Jake Gensel out for probably around four weeks with an upper body injury that was announced about half an hour before we came on the show. And that's the that's their big trade chip that we've been at least hearing about. I mean, of course, anyone can be traded, but Jake Gensel was one of the guys uh, being targeted around as a piece. Can he still bring in the same haul? Yeah. I don't think this is going to like change. I don't know if it's the same haul, but he I don't, st- he's still a valuable yeah, asset. He, I don't think he's not going to get traded now because he might be out four weeks with and an upper body injury. This might be a protective measure too. And if and if the trade deadline's in three weeks, like you know, he might he, he could be fine. He probably should be fine. Uh, but nonetheless, like this timing here, this stretch of games might be really important for the for for other teams to see what the Pittsburgh Penguins could give, could not give, and Jake Gensel not being able to play isn't helping at all. I mean, the Penguins are only uh, only. Below them is the Blue Jackets in the Metropolitan. The Blue yeah, Jackets a are a disaster. And that, and that division has been a semi-disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers are competing for a playoff spot, and the Islanders have fallen short of expectation. The Carolina Hurricanes fallen short of expectations. It seems like almost every team in that division has either fallen short of expectations or doesn't look like a mm-hmm. real Stanley Cup contender. And yet the Penguins, with Sidney Crosby still playing, not out of his mind, but still being Sidney Crosby, is a massive failure on the part of Multiple regimes, yep. to be fair, but also a par- uh, as part of the new regime here with Kyle Dubas, who was supposed to make this team better, not worse. Maybe Crosby's just waiting to go to the Colorado Avalanche with his friend Nathan McKinnon. I mean, it sounds 
It sounds like it shouldn't happen. It <laughs> sounds like almost blasphemous. Like it sh- that shouldn't be the case. But wouldn't Sidney Crosby be happier in that situation right now? Wouldn't he be uh, playing meaningful hockey well, with his yeah, buddy on course, a Stanley Cup contender, he, not having to worry about well, but don't Gino you feel doesn't like have it anymore. He's the type of guy that he's never going to play for a different team. I feel like yes, but I also feel like Sidney Crosby is a ultra competitor, maybe the most one of the most competitive guys that we've seen in this sport, and I feel like he would be unhappy just letting his career fade. He's a competitor beyond most competitors in this league. I don't think that he wants to go quietly into the Hall of Fame on a sad Pittsburgh Penguins team for the next X amount of years, and I think that's why you're right with, like, Kyle Dubas needing to unlock whatever magic box that he's got or figure out a way to kind of do right by Sidney Crosby. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins have given a lot of success to that city, but it's it's like what's going on with Ovi right now, right? The Capitals kind of in this downwards, quiet spiral, but you've got Ovi chasing this goal record. Like, how long do you hold on to trying to make Ovi happy before you do a rebuild? Like, I don't think the Penguins are in that same spot, but this season has not been even close to what was anticipated with a new face and a new invigoration of Kyle Dubas's plan. Like, what's the plan? Yeah, I think you can contrast those two quite easily because in Washington, it is about the Coles record, mm-hmm. right? It's about, and so it doesn't really matter what else is going on. Just get on. Ovi to that. It's about getting that goals record. But for Sidney Crosby, it's not about, you know, milestones or getting this amount of points or (laughs) winning a Selkie trophy because Mm -hmm. he hasn't done it anymore. It's about one thing. It's about winning. And right now the Penguins can't win. They're not good enough. They're not a good team. Despite Hall of Famers abound Mm -hmm. and someone in Kyle Dubas who everyone in the hockey world or a lot of people in the hockey world thought, hey, this is a genius. Mm -hmm. He's going to be able to fix it. Year one, not the case. We've got young Bedard on the other end uh, tonight, Crosby and Bedard. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We've got UFC 298 to tee up. We're going to have our guy, Aaron Bronsetter, join us. Uh, maybe take a look around the golf world. Tiger is playing at a major or ish. He like, <laughs> playing legitimately golf. shanked one on he, 18 He today. looked like us at Bray Ben in the summer. Yes. <laughs> we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Lots to cover before the weekend. Uh, that was a fun one. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>